Ready? Ready. I am too, I think. Sort of. Hi, everyone. Um, and why am I starting? Why am I doing that? Anyway, you start. <laughs> why am I starting? Well, because it'll be different. <laughs> it'll be new and exciting. Well, this is Kelson Young, and this is our new podcast called This Ends Well. Um, yes. Which and is... hopefully it will. <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's what we're going for. We can't guarantee that will happen every time. And I'm Kevin Hamm, the other host of the show. And uh, this is our first show. We've been talking about this for months, actually. Right. But you have been so busy. I, yeah. Uh... You know, you've got your full-time job. <laughs> Um, which I've got a full-time job, too. And right. then I've been hiking the mountain a lot, which has been making me busy. We're, we're going to talk about that. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and, uh, but then you, Miss Little... I, I started traveling at Pride, which was back right. in January of 2004, right. apparently. <laughs> and you haven't been home since. No, really not. Where have you been? Um, well, let's see. You know, for basically six months, I did nothing but campaigning from about November till June. And right. so after as, the primary, after the primary, and spent another week or two, you know, analyzing that and feeling really good about it and celebrating that, you know, small victory. Um, but really just feeling like it's time to take care of Kelson for a few weeks. Um, and so I went on a series of trips, basically started with Montana Pride, which you were there. I, I was, was there. there. And I didn't expect to be there. And it was so much fun. It was. I have to say, I've been to a lot of Montana Prides, and this one, the people in Bozeman just put off a really amazing event. The yeah. drag show on Saturday night was like unlike anything I've seen. You right. know, it, it was pretty great. It was, it was good. It was good. It was good. Um, For Montana, was, come it on. It was a little bit of overkill with the drag show on the night before. They always uh, do two drag shows, though. Uh, yeah. So that was a, a really a, the great drag and weekend. The drag's on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a great weekend. It was, you know, I always love Montana Pride as opposed to, um, I've been to Prides in other cities. And... Yeah, um, I turned around a week later and went to Pride in San yeah. Francisco. Well, that's fun, too. It was fun. And it's it's nice to go to one of those big prides and remember what it's really about and realize that, you know, our Pride Parade was, what, an hour long tops? But yeah, yeah, it's more of a march right, than a parade. Because everybody gets together, and yeah, then we're down Yeah, you march for about and, 30 minutes, yeah. and that's about it. So. Um, well, I marched, I, I walked in the parade in with the uh, San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus. Uh-huh. And it's only one mile, a little over a mile long. Parade. But those city parades but go it forever. Went, it was like nine hours long. It's like a job. <laughs> well, and one of the differences is like every single political candidate, every organization, every, every church. Every drag queen. Every, every drag queen, queen, yeah, has their bar. own float. Or exactly. Are and walking in the parade, which is different than Montana, unfortunately. Right. So, yeah. So Pride was fun. I did. Pride I had fun. a great time, too. And that's the first time I've been to Montana Pride, because the first one really? was actually... Yeah, the first one that ever happened in Montana was after I moved away, after high oh. school. And then when I moved back in 2006... It was already over. 2007, I was out of town. So I've just managed to miss them all. Well, I think this is about my fifth or sixth in a row. Mm. And so I've been to, you know, Helena, Billings, Kalispell, and now Bozeman for Pride. And what I like about Montana Prides is that people come from all over the state. It's unlike, you know, big city prides where it's it's overwhelming. And um, in the Montana Prides, it's like the one time you see people from all over the state come together. It really is a great community. Um, and I just thought that it's the like venues the, and stuff really worked this year. So, the, well, okay. I, the one complaint that I have was the the tables were off somewhere. Oh, and I totally. Never found them. They were in the back room. <laughs> I had a table, and I was like, uh, I think four people walked by. But... Yeah, well, I couldn't find them. I like followed the directions. Yeah. I ended up downstairs in like some community meeting, and they were talking about earthquakes or something. Well, there's always room for improvement. I can't believe it's in Butte next year, which is going to be very interesting. 
it'll end well. Yes, <laughs> it will. Okay, so you went to Pride. So I went to Pride, and then I went to Big Sky for a couple nice. days for my job. I'm a, the executive director of a nonprofit, and I have a statewide board. And so we had a board meeting in Big Sky, Montana, which was obviously beautiful being up at the resort. Did you go hiking? Um, a little bit of hiking, but they had an outdoor pool. So basically anytime I wasn't in meetings, I was floating in the pool. At one point, nice. the snow was coming down because it's, you know, June and big sky. So, of course, it snowed one night. But um, <laughs> So I was there for several days, and then I was home for basically three days. Got to go to the roller derby bout here, which was great, and then took off to Alaska. And in Juneau, Alaska, right around now is when it's, you know, sunny about, well, light, 22. daylight, daylight, 20 hours a day. And literally the day before I went, it was 80 degrees. And the day after I left, it was like 70s. But the whole week that I was there, it was 45 degrees and pouring rain. <laughs> so all of way these... To, way to time your Yeah, plan. all of these wonderful adventures that we had planned were done in literally a downpour. So oh. on one day, we took a seaplane from Juneau to this um, island out in the islands and um we basically watched grizzlies frolic on the beach so it's this like grizzly preserve where which is like going to gay pride because yeah. there are bears everywhere <laughs> right right <laughs> always bringing it back to the bears but um i my friend who i went with was like there will be rangers there and they will have guns and you will be protected and you basically go sit in this thing and you get to watch the grizzlies and i was like okay that sounds fun that is not what happened we got there landed on this like little spit into the water and there was a ranger there but he basically prepared you for a bear what was going to happen and then said okay go ahead and you were supposed to walk along the beach by yourself he gave you instructions about how you should walk and in what formation and what to do if the bear comes at you and then we walked over to this <laughs> was the answer run no no exactly <laughs> it's not apparently if a grizzly bear is coming near you it's not to run it's what it's stand just your like stand just there quickly and let them smell you basically um you know to any listeners i don't i'm not a bear expert so look into that but basically we were just asked to like walk down the beach and then go to this grassy area and there was like a log you could sit on. That's called a grassy knoll. Yeah, the last exactly. time any of this entered into our history <laughs> was a certain assassination. Oh, so we walked and I literally, my heart was pounding because we had to walk maybe about a couple hundred yards down to this other area. And there, a couple hundred yards away, was a full-grown grizzly bear just like eating clams on the beach. And we just had to like walk slowly by the bears. And eventually we ended up in this little grassy area. And for literally like five hours, we just watched the grizzly bears frolic on the beach. At one point there was one and then there was two and eagles and they were, you know, eating the clams and it was pouring rain the whole time. And then we took a seaplane out again. So that was one thing we did. The other thing is I went on a motorcycle for the first time in my life. Yes, there were pictures on Facebook, and yeah. you looked impressive. <laughs> well, what I love about the pictures is it actually looks like I drove the bike, which was not the case. <laughs> um, but, but that was a much hotter picture, you know. But I actually um, rode on the back with my really good friend who I trust. She's, you know, um, ridden bikes her whole life. And it was my first time on a big, super, super-sized Harley. Um, we went for about an hour-long ride along the coast and back, and it was thrilling. But literally, it was one of those moments where I had to, like, talk myself through, you will not die, you know, you, you, will, <laughs> you will survive this, it will be okay. You had a lot of those up there. Oh, I had a helmet on and all that stuff. But growing up, I, uh, my dad is an attorney, and he's the kind of attorney that, like, represents people who have been injured. 
and he just hammered into my head the dangers of motorcycles. So I basically haven't been on a motorcycle my whole life just because I was so taught to be afraid of that. And I think also if you grow up in Montana, you just read every other week in the summer about some you know, serious injury accident involving motorcycles. So I've yeah. pretty much taught myself to fear them. <laughs> so I went on my first one and now, now I'm hooked and can't wait to go again. Okay. But obviously, so Kelsey will be visit, visiting yeah. the Harley Davidson. <laughs> exactly. Store I don't know if I'll be ready to drive my own for a while, but, um, and then That'll the other last thing I did, the yeah, <laughs> the last thing I did in Juneau was I went, um, zip lining. And there, you literally zip line from, like, treetop to treetop. Mm-hmm. Once again, we were so excited to go zip lining, and it was a downpour. And so we went zip lining in, literally, you in know, the rain. in the rain, but, like, the hard, hard rain. And it makes the zip lines really fast. And so I ended up with quite a few injuries um, on my shins and knees from slamming into trees. Um, but it was thrilling and certainly one of those, like... <laughs> Really, did I just do that? One time, um, one of the biggest zip lines, I ended up zipping all the way across, came in too fast, and did like a loop de loo, and ended up back down in the middle of the um, zip line, like over a ravine, and had to basically do one of these where you pull yourself back up to the, and uh, basically couldn't use my arms for about a week and a half after that. <laughs> but it was all of all of the um, stuff was just pure adventure. And if anything, it kind of cleansed me of that first six months of campaigning and got me ready for the next six months because I felt like, okay, you know, this is actual life and death stuff, right? Yeah, and the uh, campaign is not No, hard. it's not. I mean, like, campaigning is hard, but it's not... Yeah, it's hard um, work, but it's not going to kill It's not ziplining through the trees, <laughs> you know, so... Although it would be really more fun, fun if you could zipline door to door. Oh, that would be so fun. Yeah, like, totally. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was definitely something, a break I needed, and I did that. And then since then, I've been traveling for work to a lot of different places. One thing I'd love to talk about is that I went to Sydney, Montana mm-hmm. last week, um, because I work for an organization that represents all of the victim service programs across the state, we have a lot of programs in eastern Montana who have been seriously impacted by the boom of the you know oil Lock industry. Oil fields, yep. Yeah, so we um, came together with the kind of coalition that's um, similar to us in North Dakota and brought our programs from eastern Montana and their programs from western North Dakota and had what we called a listening summit. So we had space for all of the different advocacy programs to talk to each other about the things that they've been experiencing, you know. And then in the afternoon, we invited in all of these outside officials to basically have a conversation with the victim service programs about what the impact has been. So, for instance, um, we had representatives from Congressman Reberg, Senator Baucus's office, same sort of um, people from North Dakota, um, state agencies, that kind of a thing. And the great thing is that then they heard from the advocacy programs what they were experiencing. You know, there's been a lot of community and state conversations about the impact of the oil boom, but it's been environmental impacts or just sort of infrastructure impacts. Right. We felt <laughs> like the thing... street light, right? the stop sign isn't cutting it. We felt like the thing that people hadn't really had a space for is to hear about what's the impact on like service providers in the community. And especially given that um, we've seen the rates of sexual assault and domestic violence just skyrocket given the influx of population and especially the influx of uh, kind of 
transient population, so to speak, in the sense that they're coming in from somewhere else. They're here and, um, you know, domestic violence occurs and they don't have the same sort of community support that they would have if it was happening where they're from, right? Right. So, well, they don't know their neighbors. Right, exactly. And um, so there's <clears throat> been a huge impact on service providers, but also just the impacts in the community and how that affects our providers. So before, you know, when someone was a victim of crime, you could get them in a hotel room for a night, and now there's no hotels available, Ever. right? Yeah. Um, we stayed at a new hotel in Sydney, and the rooms are $150 a night. You know, in Sydney, Montana, in Sydney, population Montana. seven. Yeah, <laughs> and we drove by all the man camps. That's what they're called now, man <laughs> camps. And and we had a real oh, no. interesting experience. I mean, it was fascinating to be in a community. I've been to Sydney back in the day, and it's fascinating to be in a community that's experiencing that sort of impact. Um, lots of you know conversations need to be had about uh, what the impact means. How do we? deal with it. Um, we drove up to Williston too. So from Sydney to Williston, it's about an hour and literally every couple hundred yards, there's what's called a man camp, a set of trailers set up. There's these big, huge man camps. The funniest thing I saw and probably not too funny for the people having to live there, but there was literally like, you know, those, uh, types of trailers you see at construction zones where mm-hmm. they're just kind of flat on both sides. Yeah. <clears throat> there was, um, uh, a man camp that called itself a hotel. It was literally like the, you know, rigor hotel or something like that. And it was about 14 to 15 of those trailers kind of pieced together, almost like Legos. And each trailer had like four or five doors on it. So clearly people are renting like a little space within this trailer. Um, and what we heard was that, you know, at, at this average RV park that used to have like 30 spots, now holds a couple hundred and they're paying a thousand dollars of lot rental every month you know so just the impact of all of these people trying to find a space to live in this community was fascinating to actually see it up close and drive from camp to camp and see what people are dealing with you know and when people are that isolated one of the stories that one of the advocates told me was you know, the other day they were trying to serve an order of protection and, um, you know, you have to have like a street address and stuff. And it was literally like, you know, mile marker 33, take a right. And it's the seventh trailer on your right. You know what I mean? Like it's old school, like wild west. Oh no. And we drove up to Williston and just like the air was all cloudy. And I mean, it was just really interesting to see it up close. So why was the air cloudy? Just all of the, um, exhaust and the dirt. And it's basically pollution is forming because of all of the upkick from all of the activity. I mean, you're on the, you know, highway two or all these little highways and there's just one tanker after another. You know, they're building all these new areas, and so the dirt is all kicked up. It's just, um, it was weird to come up over this hill at one point, and just the air was just cloudy with hmm. stuff. Interesting. You know? I'm yeah. not a scientist, so I don't know all the words for See, it. I remember, like, and, you know, I'm not a scientist either. I'm in musical <laughs> theater a lot. Right. Um, which actually plays well with the one thing that crosses my mind every time we talk about the Bakken Fields is the line in the best little whorehouse in Texas where it's just... Where uh, she says, she's singing along and she says, you know, but payday would get a little rowdy. Thank God the field run dry. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's like, hmm. Well, that's the thing is there's just 
everything is so expensive, but the people are making really more money than they ever know what to do with. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... Well, yeah, but, are, you know, you have to wonder on some level, are they saving it? Are they able to do something that's going to get them a better life when they leave? Are they planning on leaving? Are they planning on staying? Yeah. Do we know the life of the fields? All those sorts of things. You don't. But when you drive through there and you see the temporary living housing situations that people are living in, um, you, you can't have a sense that this any of this was well planned. You know what I mean? That like that it will be easy to clean up from, or that it was thought out ahead of time. Because there's literally just things thrown up, like trailers. And... So it really fits with the name of our show. Oh boy, you just hope it'll end well. Um, you know, so it was really interesting to hear both from those programs. Like, what are the really positive community aspects? Like, people have more jobs and people can afford to you know, do things they couldn't do. And, you know, there's been a lot of really positive things, but looking at kind of the, you know, dark underside of some of those issues, um, there's a lot more human trafficking. There's a lot of sexual assaults. There's a lot of things that are going on that nobody wants to talk about because they want to talk about the you know, financial impact. So we tried to create a space for that. And I can tell you that um, I flew to Sydney. So taking Silver Airlines from Helena to Billings and Billings to Sydney means that I didn't have to drive the, like, 13 hours. But right. um, I got to fly over a lot of different areas because those planes just, you know, barely go right below the clouds, yeah, right? 72 feet <laughs> yeah, above exactly. the ground. And, um, and they have but, to curve around the buildings. Yeah, just had a real nice aerial view of kind of what was going on out there. So that's where I was last week. And oh. now I'm finally home. And you are home. Yeah. Well, welcome back. Yeah, thank welcome you. Welcome to the show. So while you've been gone, let me see. What have I done? I went to California, like you said, to... Uh-huh. Um, Pride, which was fun, mm-hmm. and then I got back here, went camping a day, mm-hmm. out on the lake. Not my idea of a good time, but I actually did have a good time. And um, then I decided I was going to hike the mountain. Actually, I didn't decide that. Let's let's be quite clear. Yeah, about let's what go back to how it started my because all I know is I saw John, your picture on the Facebook of right. you at the top of the mountain, and my jaw dropped. <sighs> And so did mine. <laughs> um, what happened, actually, it was about 6 o'clock at night on a Monday a couple weeks ago. Was it Monday or Friday? Anyway, um, my friend John called, and he goes, let's go hike the mountain. And I heard myself say, sure. And then the other voice in the back of my head said, we were busy doing something else. What did you just <laughs> agree to? Uh, oh, we're going to go hike the mountain. It's 904 degrees outside. Right. Um, and it was like 90. And it's 6 p.m. And I'm like, I don't know how far up this mountain I'm going to get because I haven't hiked it. I don't think I've ever hiked it. I right. know I've been to Devil's Kitchen, but I don't think I've ever been to the top of the mountain at this point. And uh, he's like, okay. And you know, and I'm, for those people who aren't from Helena, maybe explain what you're mountain. talking about. So Mount Helena, which is, you know, obviously <clears> the namesake <throat> of the town, it is actually a mountain. It does go high enough to be classified as a mountain. It looms over the city. It's, it's pretty impressive. I can put a picture of it. And up. everybody hikes it all well, the time. It, it is a good hike. Um, it's not terribly long. It ends up being just a little over two and a half miles if you go up one path. If you go up the quick way, 1906. If you go up the super quick way, you're nuts. Right. Power line straight up. I have not done yet. No, thank but you. Apparently, you can rappel down it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but we didn't even, we took the 1906 the first time. I didn't make it all the way. I made it to Devil's Kitchen, and I was like, okay, done. But then I, I have this <laughs> inability to do something badly. If I'm going to do something, I have to do it right. <laughs> Even if you so, can't walk for the week afterwards. Right, exactly. So uh, no matter what damage it does, I'm going to do it. I'm going to accomplish this goal. And uh, what I did was I, I, two days later, I was like, all right, I'm going to go hike it. But I'm going to get up in the morning. I called a couple of other friends. I was like, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go. I'll be there at 530. Join me. 
And they were all like, no, you won't. One of them was Eddie. He's like, you're not going to be there. I'm like, I'll be there. And Tom. Perfect. And uh, I was, of course, late. So it was 5.45 <laughs> when I got there. Right. Um, and at this point, I still, you know, I, I hadn't bought any. Like, I'm hiking in tennis shoes. And right. I'm carrying water in a plastic bottle. I don't care. And uh, I was like, we're going to do this. So we did it. And we walked up and made it to the top. First time I've ever been up there. And I know it's the first time I've ever been up there. Because even though I was a kid growing up here, we never hiked it. We never hiked all the way to the top. Right. Um, Probably because, you know, in sixth grade, which would have been about the only time we could have done it, even then there were people stupid enough in my class that somebody would have been pushed off the mountain. Right. So that wasn't happening. Um, So I get up there, and it's a really impressive view of the city. Uh I was kind of impressed. And I was like, all right, it wasn't too horribly, I mean, it was miserable, but... How did it feel going up, though? Uh, well, what at, one, kind of at one did you point, I, could, I was kind of hallucinating that on one side it was um, North Koreans and on the other side it was palm trees and I was on the Bataan Death March. Um, you know, sorry to all the people who actually went through that, but it was, ugh. You know, I'm hauling around, and, and I'll be honest, at that point it was 318. I was hauling around 318 pounds right. up the mountain. And, you know, I'm hiking with a couple of people that are, you know, in much better Fit, shape than right. I'm in. And they're like, do-do-do, walking up casually. And I'm like, ah. Tom was probably, like, skipping. <laughs> no, but he kept going. His favorite thing is, oh, it's just 100 more yards. 100 more yards of the flattens out. 100 more yards. 100 more, you know, at the end of it, I wanted to beat him with 100 right. yard sticks. <laughs> and uh, I, getting up there wasn't horrible. I mean, I survived it, obviously. And I got up there, it wasn't bad. And then coming down was actually fine. Um, but then I got done, and I was like, oh, I'm really tired. You know, and I, I had work to do, so I went and did some work to da And then about 2 in the afternoon, I was like, I'm done. My me- a meeting I was supposed to have got canceled. I'm like, I'm going to go take a nap. I went and took a nap. And that was the smartest thing I could have done because I needed that hour. Right. Um, got up, finished the rest of the day, no big deal. Um, and didn't really have the endorphin rush that you expect from doing some sort of workout. And I right. had endorphins from other things. But I think my body was in such shock that I had actually done it. Right. It was holding back to see what other <laughs> stupid stuff I would do. And... Uh, you know, so, you know, waited a day, took a day off, just kind of went to the gym, and then hiked again the next day. So, every other day. So, or no. It seemed like it, no, was, it was the it, very next day. You no, know, it was Wednesday. And then I did Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of that week. I did three days in a row. Um, which is too much. And then, actually, I took, I did Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of last week. And that was fine. Um, but then I did Sunday. Yeah, I went yesterday in the afternoon. Um, which was considerably warmer. I, the whole hiking thing, like, I'm not a fan. Um, don't ask me while I'm hiking how it's going because I will I will yell at you. Right. Um, it's not pleasant. I'm not a pleasant person. It's not going well. And right. I feel bad for these people that go up You're the mountain. You're not whistling you know, up the mountain. And they're like, hi, how are you this morning? I'm like, stop being perky. We're on the mountain. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and these poor people are like... Um, and how about I, the people that run by you? You're just like, really? Yeah, you're running up the uh, mountain? Or the mountain bikers. Uh, I'm like, you're bringing a piece of equipment that you could die on. Right. More power to you. <laughs> um, yeah, the ones that are running, I just can't even cope with. I'm like... <sighs> <laughs> but you must be getting something out of it, because you've done it so many times yeah, so in the well, last three well, weeks. Okay, so the first day, I didn't really get the endorphin hit until uh-huh. like I was a, you know, I was asleep, and then I kind of was woken up by it. Which, that's no fun. I was like, really? 
Thanks. <laughs> Went back to sleep. Um, but the second time, it was about two hours afterwards. And so now it's about an hour after I'm done with the hike, I get the endorphin hit. And I'm like, da da da, I can type really fast. <laughs> I'm not making any sense, but I'm so happy. <laughs> da da da. And, uh, and that's kind of cool. And the, the nice thing about endorphins versus other drugs, mm, uh-huh. there's a good topic for you, is that when you come off the endorphins, like they don't hurt you as you come down. You, know, right. you just kind of go back to normal. No, mm-hmm. You're no longer Superman, but it's okay. Right. <laughs> Um, so that's been fun. Uh, on Sunday, though, when I was hiking, I did something. I, I hit a rock and kind of wrenched my knee a little bit. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to go up until Wednesday this week. So Monday, mm-hmm. Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm taking off. I'll just go to the gym. But, it, yeah, it's been interesting. And every time I get up there, I, I take a picture and I post it on Facebook. Not because I'm bragging. I want it as proof to myself. Right. Because I'm fairly sure what's actually going to happen is I'll wake up six months from now and this has all been a dream and I've been in a coma the entire right. time. Right, exactly. And I'll have no proof. Right. You know, but I can look at Facebook and go, no, 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 I actually did it. <laughs> There's a picture of me, sweaty and horrible. I think, if anything, I was taking it as posting pictures to, you know, recognize yourself. Like... You should be like, wow, look at this. I did this great thing. And I think it's been totally motivating to other people. Like, yeah, all the comments been... you get are just like, go, Kevin. And, and yeah, I can't wait until I'm out there. I'm right. like, I can. Get your ass out here. <laughs> right. You know, I'll wait at the bottom because it gives me an excuse to not hike right now. Right, right. <laughs> but I just really think off. that, you know, I mean, sometimes I don't really believe in that whole, because, you know, a whole theory in exercising and losing weight and stuff is to, like, share with other people and to talk about it. And sometimes I'm just like, ugh, really? Um, yeah, no, I, it's too I, corny for me. But I actually, with you, I just like, holy shit, good, good job. You know, keep going. Like, partly because it's just so motivating. Because I do think that what I love is that you are a cynical person. Oh, very much so. And so for you like, to be doing this thing that is just, you know, like if somebody else was doing it, I wouldn't be as like entertained and motivated <laughs> by it. But um, I don't know. There's something about you doing it, especially because you always have such a sense of humor about it when you do it. Uh, you oh, know? And it's ridi- well, and, and so we'll be going up. I've hiked it a couple times on my own, which is interesting because I just have to put on a podcast and go. Right. Because I need something in my ears, but I don't want music because then I'll try to walk at the tempo of the music, which right. is really dumb. <laughs> um, and I'll do weird things. Right, with my exactly. Arms. <laughs> like, dance up the dancing. mountain. <laughs> exactly. The dancing queen hike up the mountain. Right. Um, which would be fun. Do you uh, see a lot of people on the path? Like, I get a little worried about being out by myself somewhere like that. Do you get a lot of... I'm six feet tall, 300 pounds. Uh, who's going to mess with me? Really? If well, I, I'm big enough I guess a mountain lion's probably gonna. not going to mess with you either. Yeah, well, and I've only seen deer. I haven't seen anything else. And I'm, okay. sure we, I'm sure at some point I will see other parts of nature, but most of the time I'm looking at the ground to make sure that I don't trip and fall and kill myself. Right. Because I do have this, <laughs> this like, background fear. It's not like a foreground fear, like, oh, my God, I'm worried about this. It's one of those things that keep in the back of your mind that if you trip wrong on this, your fat ass is going to bounce down the mountain. <laughs> right. Or you're going to be stuck here and, and somebody's going to have to send a life flight and all and that no, stuff. Exactly. And there's no way that you bouncing down the mountain <laughs> will not be the funniest thing that everybody's seen in a long time. So, right. try not to do it. Right. Um, you know, so there is that. Um, but the the biggest thing, yeah, I am acidic and, I, and I'm very much so like the whole working out has a, very much been a it's not even I'm doing it for me. It's just I'm doing it. That's right. And that's the level it has to be at for me. It's just right. these are the things that I do. It can't be so self-indulgent, and it also can't be about outside approval. It's right. just like, I'm just doing this thing. It's, I'm just doing this. Yeah. And, and you know, so the hiking thing has just been, I'm just doing this. But when I go hiking with people, like I've been hiking with Tom, and um, my assistant, Reed, has gone a couple of times. And 
we generally are discussing, you know, current events or whatever's going on and yapping the whole way up the mountain as much as we can. And I say, you know, I'm wheezing as I'm yapping, right. which is great. But, you know, it's something to do. Hiking alone, I think, is actually, um, like, I just kind of take off at my own pace and just go. And um, having done it twice, I got a better feel for it. I'm kind of okay with that. You know, so you don't know what you prefer yet? No, not yet. I, I think I like hiking better with people because it's more fun to have that picture up at the top. We made it. We right. did this. You know, they went as slow as I went, but right. you know, we all made it up the mountain. Right. Um, versus, is it getting easier after two weeks? Uh, no. Not yet? <laughs> no, it's... Well, it will. It is getting easier in that I'm stopping less, but I still haven't gotten it to the point where I can just go. And, right. you know, it's one shot up and one shot down. It's still... Wow. You know, 10, 15 rests on the way up and right. uh, two or three on the way down. It's not bad. That's good. Um, with my knee, this last one was a little funky on the way down. It was yeah. I had to crab a couple of times, turn sideways and walk, which was weird. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm bending my knee just as much and I'm putting more weight on it. So I don't know what was going on. It was really bizarre. Well, you got to be careful with that too because that's the problem is you get into something and you're like going full speed and then you get a small injury that can just right. set you back. You right, know? which I don't want to do. And, and, you know, so it's just I'll go walk and... It'll be fine. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be a runner. I'm never going to do a marathon. And mm-hmm. I say that, and my friends are like, "Oh, now you said that. Now you're gonna end up wanting to do a marathon." I'm like, "No. There's <laughs> a level of crazy that I'm not willing to cross. That's on the other side of the lake. Just right. FYI. <laughs> you know, I One have a floaty. It's not gonna get me up there. <laughs> right. So, so yeah, that's what I've been doing, and and it's been interesting. It's um, the whole going to the gym thing is interesting. You know, working out, doing the, having lost. Let's see, I'm three eleven, so three seventy eight, sixty seven pounds. Uh, In a short period of time. Since the beginning of the year. Yeah. That's not bad. It's pretty good. Yeah. I just want to get down. Do you feel better? Uh, No, but my clothes don't fit, so that's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Now you get to shop. Mm. Except you have to wait. I don't want to shop in the middle of doing this. You know, I want to get to my goal, which is down around 200, 220. I want to get that range. Um, Wow. But I did have to go buy jeans because I had to wear pants uh, a couple of days ago. And... um, so I went and bought a pair of jeans. They were 18 bucks, no big deal. But they were size 40, 46, 48. Uh, 46, because they were eight inches smaller than what I had worn before. This is 54s. And I'm like, hmm, hmm, eight inches off my waist. That's a delightful thing. Well, and those are all the things you're supposed to do. Not only pounds, but inches and all of that good stuff. And oh, I know. Your body changes a lot. It so. does, and my body at this point is... It, I don't know that it's changing a lot, but I know it is questioning whether it's been possessed by some other soul. <laughs> <laughs> and as are my, most of my friends, actually. They're like, what are you... Who are you? Right. <laughs> um, but they're all happy for you, I'm sure. Well, yeah, but they're also worried that, you know, this. when will the other shoe drop? <laughs> what what exactly else is going to happen? Is going to happen? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that's been my summer, and we're coming up on football, which starts in three weeks. Four weeks. Oh, good Lord. And what does that mean? Um, well, so my business, we do uh, webcasts. And so the big sport, of course, in Montana is football. Mm-hmm. And we have the Frontier Conference. It looks like we have the Cascade Conference. Cascade doesn't really have football, so it doesn't make a big difference. They just have volleyball going on. And um, it's there's going to be four football games every Saturday going on at the same time that I have to deliver commercials for and manage and make sure that they're up and working and on the web and everybody can watch them. And Wow. You know, many things can go wrong, and I know just about everything that can go wrong, but we're using new equipment, so I'm sure there'll be new <laughs> things that can go wrong. <laughs> right. So it's just, it's going to be busy. Fall hits, and everybody goes back to school, and that's when my world goes sideways, I guess. Yeah. So it'll be 
fun. I got a month left of summer. I know, and we should enjoy it. Because it's that's the thing is the summers in Montana are so short. You basically have like mid June to first August. week in September. You know. Yeah. See, this summer feels to me like we could get snow on August twenty second. Yeah, I just like try to really enjoy it every day of the sunshine, but it's been it's been hot. But you know, you travel it all, and you realize that we have it made because everywhere else it's humid or you know bugs i don't know there's something about yeah, helena maybe. we have just the right amount of no humidity i would prefer a little less wind but we don't really have bugs which i really appreciate I think if you go to eastern montana and wind whew. yeah well i lived in maine for a while and they had Ugh. bugs that had to fly file flight patterns with the faa yeah big <laughs> mosquitoes gnats yeah mosquito takes out your dog there really isn't anywhere better to live in the summer than montana i i personally think it's possible Possible. So what else has been going on? What has captured your attention in the news? Um, Well, it's funny that you ask that question because I feel like I haven't actually watched the news for about a month and a half. So what's the last thing you remember from the news? But here's here's the punchline. So, um, but I've been watching this new show, Newsroom. Uh Uh-huh. And here's what happens to me. Here's what happens to me is I get to these moments where I prefer fake, like, reality as opposed to real reality, right? So I used to love to watch The West Wing. And The West Wing always made me feel so much better about politics and stuff. And there's times in my head where I get confused. Like, was that West Wing or was that real life? Mm. And that's how I feel about the newsroom right now. I feel like I would much rather watch that or some other thing about what the news could be than actually watch the news. So I love that show. I don't know if you've tried it yet. I but... have not seen it yet. Um, oh, you really should watch it. The the show that I've been seeing that uh, falls into our realm has been Political Animals. Yes, that's good, too. That's what I'm talking about. Like, I would rather... I'd rather watch that stuff, and partly because, um, well, first of all, I won't watch anything in real time anymore. Um, if I can't DVR it and fast forward through commercials, I don't watch it anymore. And yeah. partly because, you know, as a political being, if I have to see one more political commercial, I just, they really bum me out. Oh, it's tough. Every single commercial break is a Tester Reber commercial. There's only, only so many times I need to hear those things. So I get really bummed out. I don't watch that much TV in the summer anyways, but it's hard to keep track of the news when you're traveling a lot Mm -hmm. and when you're avoiding news. And I'm not like other people in the, you know, Twitter, social media universe where I pay attention to the news all of the time. Um, but I do think, um, what's been interesting to me with the most recent, uh, Sandusky thing, you know, and, uh, what happened, what was it, last week or two weeks ago now? I can't remember when the um, we actually found out the verdict and the report came out. Oh, we found there's, out the, there's the, a name the, on the report the that I can't report. remember. Free. Yeah. So FBI director. I'm reading these things. I'm thinking about things. those things because obviously they tie back to my work. Um, and they tie back to mine, college sports. Hello. Right. <laughs> And I was I was listening to a This American Life thing the other day, and all these all of these different things, um, you know, it's one thing because when some of these national stories happen, you're like into them and you're interested in them, but they don't feel up close and real. You know, there's kind of like, oh, that thing is happening there's in distance, yeah. Penn State. Well, but then there's U of M. That's what I mean. So like to actually be in the middle of it. So I've been very involved in what's happening with the University of Montana 
Um, and do tell. I should say, Missoula and the advocacy community. Well, um, you know, we don't necessarily need to get into the weeds about that, but it's just. It's interesting to watch this thing happen in Penn State and these different reactions to it. Um, and then to usually be able to be like at an arm's length around something like that. Like, even though I care about those issues and right. sexual assault's an issue I work on, it's not something that I had to deal with. But we are, you know, experiencing something in Missoula very similar, you know, <laughs> the same sort of potentially national attention. Um, there's been some national attention and it could continue to get more complicated, right? And there's a lot of different players and there's a lot of ways that I've been directly involved, our organization, people I care about. And it's a community that I know and that mm -hmm. I care about and that you know you went to we, school there. Right. And we and and when you hear about how the Penn State students think about their football team, that's the same way we think about our football team, the Grizzlies. You know what I mean? There's, yeah, see, there's I would, this I would, reverence, I went to, right? I went to MSU. And we <laughs> right, had, we, right, right, right. What's funny is that, you know, and, well, I went to MSU. I work with Carol. I work with a lot of the, the schools. Um, but, but in Montana, there's a reverence for the cats University of Montana. But what's funny is that the Grizz went, or the Cats went through this, a couple years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Well, seven, eight years ago. Yeah. And they handled it much better. Totally. And and it's like, okay, these people that run universities generally have after their name PhD. Those three right. letters should mean that they're able to look at how somebody else handled something. Right. And they follow the model because everybody, you know, there were a couple of things that were wrong about how it was handled at MSU, but most but I don't remember that well. didn't involve didn't a sex up. scandal, quote unquote, well, it, right? It, you know, it didn't blow up because they handled it. They turned it over to police. They did the right things. They said the right things. Right. I mean, a lot of what's happening at U of M could have been solved if instead of saying, I can't comment on that and we're not going to comment on that and we're going to hide in a corner and stick our head in the sand. Right. Which is going to cause people to look for more information because they think it's something worse. They just turned around and said, we've turned everything over to the police. The police are doing what they feel is right. And if, at that point, Fred, the county attorney, had done his job, right. none of this would have happened. Right. It literally boils down to there was an old boys club that had gotten out of hand and has decided that they have to protect the football team at all costs, no matter what happens. And sometimes that happens in, in a reactionary thing. I mean, you know, there is the whole... He said, she said, part of any sort of domestic violence that happens. Mm -hmm. And... Um, not without getting into any specifics of any case, there's always going to be the, I know this person, I don't know that person, I think right. she's lying. You know, I know the guy, I don't know the girl, I think she's lying. Um, that can go on when, you know, the these people have met the football players and have, you know, and have some sort of, some level of personal relationship with them. Mm -hmm. They do come, you know, natural human reaction is to come to their defense. You can't let that reaction, that natural tendency, override your thinking or you go, well, yeah, but we need to investigate it. Right, <laughs> right. And, and that's well, the basically thing about, the difference between what happened at the two schools. Yeah, and, and that's as if this has just been contained to the University of Montana. So part of what's, for me, even more complex than Penn State is that the situation we have in Missoula, or at least the microscope that is on Missoula right now, is beyond just the university. It's the university, it's the local um, criminal response, it's the prosecutor response, it's the lack of coordination, it's all sorts of things that are right. about a community-wide problem, which, you know, that's 
bigger than Penn State. That's bigger than just MSU having to deal well, with something that happened see, on campus. And I'm just saying it's bringing it's bringing to light all of all of the ways in which a community really failed. struggles with these issues, yeah, right? But, but think about this. The only reason that it's different is because at Penn State, the victims were not old enough to know to go to the police. Right. They were children. Right. You know, so Penn State's insulation kept it protected because of who the victims were, not because it was doing anything more or less than what U of M was doing. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying they did. The I'm just saying... insulation at MSU just couldn't work because these are adult women, and at some point, and I think it was literally, it comes down to one person had the guts to stand up and say, hey, I'm not going to take this. Right. You know, and that's when it when it all blew up. Yeah, the I guess what I'm talking about is that the potential impact is big because it goes beyond just the university. Oh yeah. Right. Absolutely. Like at this point, um, it's really that the community response as a whole is being investigated well, and I'm, also has just been like called into question and discussed. And it's, and it's been this topic of conversation for the last six months. And you know, what's frustrating and I'm sure it was true for Penn state or any other situation, but um, so much of the time in any of these situations, what's get, what gets lost is what's actually happening for victims. You know what I mean? Why people became victims in the first place, what's actually available to them, what will be put in place long term. I mean, I'm actually really surprised. You would have talked to me in February, and I thought for sure this thing would have blown over by now, and we would be back to business as usual, and we would still be knocking on doors saying, please, you know, let's care about victims. <laughs> let's care about what happens to people after they've been assaulted, or let's care about preventing this from happening in the first place. Only because of all of these other factors are we still even having this conversation. It would have been, you know... So whether the term the swept under the rug or what, a long yeah. time ago. And so well, my concern... Well, that's what they've been doing for years. Yeah. <laughs> my concern is three months from now, will we have actually addressed any of the root problems or will we continue to just pick at the edges of, you know, was this about a particular coach not doing something or was this a particular administration? Like, even if an administration is to blame, let's say, because there's a lot of people in Missoula who want to... Um, put the responsibility on them. If, if what results isn't significant systematic change to how things are dealt with, then it's just another person dealing with a system that's broken. You know what I mean? Duh. But it's also just like, that's why people are so much quicker to just want to target an individual person or a situation and not look at it and say, okay, what could we actually do so that sexual assault victims feel like they can come forward? What sort of system would we have to put in place? How do we change our criminal justice system? How do we change our prosecution system so that people actually find justice? Because that's not true. And here's the other thing. How do we change the rules? Because there was, what's interesting is in all this mess between the thing and the Penn State thing, there was another thing that happened in California, and I'll have to find a link to it, mm-hmm. um, where a guy who was accused of rape, charged with rape, went to jail for rape, had you know was out on parole, had been friended by the girl he supposedly raped on Facebook, uh-huh. um, and recorded her admitting that she never was raped. You know, so there's the other side of this that, you know, and this is the male fear thing. And I, I think right. it's it's interesting being gay. I don't have to deal with this too often. <laughs> but um, I do think it's interesting that, you know, there is this side. And it's the story that's told most often in defense of these kids is like, what if the woman lies? Right. Well, the laws need to incorporate that as part of the, the conditions on how they do that. The laws and the NCAA rules. I think if you're 
you know, okay, so say you're a student and you're working uh, or, and you're playing on a team. If you get accused of sexual assault, yes, you're suspended from that moment forward. Mm -hmm. That's the way it works. An investigation goes forward to find out what happened. And then if you're charged, you know, it goes to court, da, da, da. If you're found not guilty at that point, it's as if that time didn't happen for your eligibility. You get to continue from that point forward as eligible. Completely forward, so you didn't me. lose your eligibility. So that if somebody's lying, you don't get screwed too. That sounds reasonable. Right, and that's the way it should be, <laughs> but that's not the way it is. You know, and that's one of the things that drives me nuts about it is that, you know, they're, they're worried about the situation, but that's a really easy one to fix. You right. change the rules to reflect that. But you look at what Penn State has to do and what the NCAA has incorporated, they didn't make that change. Right. They're not saying that this is, you know, if there's a sexual assault or there's something that happens to put you in a criminal position, your eligibility is suspended at that point, but it's also frozen in time so that when you come back, you are still eligible. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're found not guilty. If you're found guilty, yeah, no big deal. Because right. you're going to jail. Right. Can't do anything about it. So that's but, the current rule is that you... But the current, the current rule doesn't suspend you. It suspends your eligibility, but you don't, you also lose it at the same time. It stops mm. you from being able to play. Hmm. You're no longer eligible to play. But it also keeps timing out, so you run up against the age cap and other things. That's well, but I think bringing up a particular point like that, for me, what that does is it highlights the fact that on both sides, whether it's the needs of victims or the needs of accused or the needs of the system in terms of how do they take, um, you know, complaints or, you know, all of the ways in which if people were actually willing to sit down and work out the details and get honest about the fact that it's a problem and that these are some of the issues that need to be addressed, you could come up with solutions that actually made sense, whether it was well, in the criminal justice well, system or the could. university <laughs> system. We could. We could certainly come up with things that make logical sense, that address the needs, and aren't about kind of an inflamed version of what's going on. You know, but my thing with um, sports teams and all of that kind of stuff is – even getting administrations and people in leadership to understand the importance there is for having the conversation before something like that were to happen. I mean, the only time it seems that people really get activated to like do a mandatory, you know, um, educational program or have some sort of, you know, expectations set forth is when something really bad happens. Like, why don't we well, yeah, just have an expectation that, all incoming freshmen will get a certain cert, you know, type of information that all student athletes will be blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, whatever it is so that people understand the expectation and understand the consequences, you know, that's not true at U of M. In my opinion, it wasn't when I was there and it probably isn't now. Otherwise you wouldn't hear about some of these things, but it should be for all students. It's not just a, an issue of, just the people who are in athletics. It should be for all people. It should be for all students. But certainly, we always just think about worst case scenario, somebody accused someone else. What's the result? We don't think about how do we talk to people about these things beforehand. You know, I grew up in the Montana school system. I went, um, graduated from Haver High, went to U of M. It wasn't until my sophomore year at U of M that I had my first, like, sexuality education class. And it was only because I opted for that class. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, let's do this. Maybe we'll learn something. But where along the way did anybody, like, proactively teach young people what's expected of them? You know, it's one thing to have, like, a straight-up sex ed class. It's another thing to have, like, a class about interacting with 
your peers, you know, like People you what is, what is sexual assault? What is, what isn't it? You know, what is consent? What does healthy relationships look like? What are, what do healthy sexual interactions look like? You know, all of the things that like, if, if you listen, let's have that discussion with Barbara. <laughs> right. But if you, <laughs> but if you listen to any of the interviews with like the students and on campus and stuff like that it's like this is a this is a social norm that people get really drunk at parties and things happen and da 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 you know that was true when i was in college too but creating a different expectation would make a difference and then we would be able to deal with like the worst case scenarios as opposed to this just like cultural norm of these things happen you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the thing that as somebody who's been doing this work for a long time, I just get so frustrated because sure, I can nitpick at all the different um, policies and things that need to change. And I certainly would like for people like us to be at the table helping to make those decisions instead of people who are just so defensive. Well, then there are people who can't talk about sex. Oh, right. Or who are so embarrassed by the conversation and it's just like... They said penis and vagina and my ears melted. Oh, right. no. But, you know, I mean, the reality is with Penn State or U of M or any other situation, there's just all of these factors, like all of these power things at play that just, you know, reason and clear thinking don't really end up being the norm. Um, just because there's so many different like positions of power and mentalities and egos and all of those sorts of well, things, there's, you there's know, and power and dynamics power and honor that's in Ugh. place, but it's misplaced honor and it's, it's egos gone wrong. And, yeah. You know, it, it's funny. There was a, you know, Twitter has been great through some of this. It's, you see some of the most amazing tweets and one of them was, um, you know, from a friend of mine actually out in Texas. And he was like, you know, I know football is really important. Stopping kids from being raped, just slightly more so. Just right. FYI. And then today was the, um, you know, they're talking about the Joe Paterno statue has been removed. You know, Which, God, down, that must have been such a big deal. It, oh, it's, been, it's a huge deal. But, the, you know, the other part of it is, you know, one tweet was, if you don't want to be dis- disappointed in somebody, don't erect a statue until they're dead. Until <laughs> <laughs> you know it all. Right, until you know When their sure. story's over, then, then right. you can figure it out. Um if they deserve a statue. And the the other one was, for those of you who are upset at the um, Joe Paterno statue being torn down, I suggest that you just look away. We call that the Joe Paterno. You know, which is harsh, but that's exactly what happened. And it's it's sad that his legacy is going to be forever ruined by this. But it's a choice that he made because he didn't have the balls to stand up and say, this is wrong. Right. And he didn't take care of those kids. And he let somebody who is absolutely incapable of doing right destroy those kids' lives. Yeah, but the message to the general public, all these people who are just feeding off of these news stories and who are watching this and are just all you know, engaged in it, is how in your life are you not paying attention to your surroundings either. You know, how are you not taking responsibility for the power that you have in any given situation? I mean, that's the thing about sexual assault, domestic violence, violence. There's so much that it's called like bystanders Mm -hmm. where we as bystanders don't do anything about it. You know, we don't do anything about it. And so believe me, especially when you're in a position of power, you should have been briefed on the fact that there's certain expectations for you. And then it's your job to, meet those expectations. But I think well, but we also get really a staff. No, no, no. I'm just saying that could be happening 10 times over in, you know, 10 other colleges or 10 other sorts of, you know, 
environments. My point is that how often, you know, those, those shows that are on TV, like what would you do kind of thing, how often are we faced with situations where we should step up for somebody, where we should hold someone accountable, where we should step in and say, that's not okay. I just saw what you said to her and that's not okay. How many times do we not do anything about it? (laughs) You know, see now, if anybody saw how I am around my office, one, I'd probably never have another job, but two, you know, I follow that great saying of sexual harassment will not be tolerated. It will, however, be judged, <laughs> graded, and the report card will be filed. Um, I shouldn't be laughing at that, but you understand my point. Right, but you also understand mine. You know, right. there's, there's part of it is knowing what your surroundings are. If you don't know the interpersonal relationships between the two of them, maybe step back and take a minute and then ask them, hey, do you think that was really appropriate? Right. And maybe you'll find out that it was or it wasn't. And sometimes people don't know. I'll be the first to admit that I don't always know how somebody's going to take something I say. Um, Well, no, that's not true. I usually assume it's going to go bad. (laughs) But I also know that, you know, there are limits to what you can consider a joke. And if it doesn't make somebody laugh, it wasn't a joke. And apologize for it. Well, don't do it again. And I guess for me, um, I'm not talking about being PC and like putting your nose in business. I can't. No, I'm not talking about that. And I'm not talking about like you should be in everybody's business all the time. I do think that you're the kind of person that if you see somebody being hurt, you're going to assess that situation and do something about it. What I'm saying is it goes back to this, you know, you actually said something to the effect that like sometimes people don't believe her. Like let's say in a sexual assault, they're like, Oh, well I know this guy. It's actually true that most of the time we don't believe her. We don't believe him. We don't believe whoever it is that's saying this thing is happening to me. Right. Right. So that's all I'm saying is that there's so many situations and we come across them all the time. Like you said, because we know the person it's human nature. It's also human nature not to want to believe the worst about people or things, but it's actually the norm that we don't believe that we don't believe people when they tell us what's happening. Just like right now with the Penn state stuff, they don't want to believe that it's true. Even if it was child victims, like, you know, you'd think that we hold child victims in our hands and say, we would believe you, whatever you say. Most of the time, children don't get believed either. You know, adults don't get believed. So part, you know, gay people who are being bashed don't get believed. They get told, oh, well, it was probably because something she, else, not because you're gay. the outfit you were. You know? So I guess What's there's, wrong with my maybe skirt, this is sir. just my, like, you know. I don't know, soapbox moment. But I feel like as people get all worked up when they read these stories about Missoula or they read them about Penn State, to think about, like, how will I not make these sorts of mistakes in my life? When somebody comes to me and wants to talk to me about something they experienced, how will I try to be present to that instead of bring all this, you know, BS messaging I have from the rest of the world that says that we shouldn't believe people, that we shouldn't, um, you know, expect that people will know better than to sexually assault, sexually harassed, gay bash, whatever, someone else, you know, we put these people on pedestals and then we try to tear them down and we don't hold ourselves accountable for the same sort of basic behavior. And and putting people on pedestals is generally a bad idea, Yeah, you know, because people are people and they have their faults. I think, I think part of the, you know, part of that is once you're put up on a pedestal and you realize it, you then work very hard to maintain that position. Um, and you see anything as a threat to that position Never realizing that some of the things would be like dents in the pedestal, right. like chips out of the pedestal, but they're not going to affect your height. They're just going to make the pedestal not perfect, and that's right. okay. Right. I mean, if Paterno, at the first time he knew that any of this had happened, if he had fired Jerry Sandusky, right. found all the kids that he had ever done anything with, and got them help, 
he would be a national hero to right. this day. His statue would be up at, in front of every Catholic church <laughs> as a warning to boys. Right. You know, it's it's you know, it's amazing how that you know, but he's what he instead saw it as is my organization will be seen as, you know, uh, pedophiles, and so I have to make this go away. I have to hide this. I have to hide this. Right. And not realizing that he could deflect it very easily because it wasn't him. He wasn't doing it. Well, that just reminds me of politics. It is politics. It's never right? the. It's never the. I mean, you think event. about politics, it's and it's all up. about covering up. It's but it's or always, it's, it's, always, it's either about cover up, you. which is why I love shows like West Wing and Political Animals or any of these other ones. Um, but it's also like, as somebody who's stepping out and saying I would appreciate the opportunity to be in a position of power. I mean, that's a weird thing to decide to do, right? Like, mm-hmm. when you decide to run for office, you're saying, hey, everybody, you should vote for me, and then I should be in a position of power and be able to make decisions about things that affect us all. It's interesting, because when you decide to do that, you are setting yourself up to be, maybe I, maybe mine would be more like a you know footstool than a pedestal, but it's just kind of like, <laughs> here, <laughs> here, Kelson, step up onto this footstool and we'll try not to you know judge you from there right i mean i think it's interesting because <clears throat> as you gain power in the world whether you're a boss of an organization or you're an elected leader or you have you know staff that kind of stuff you do <laughs> I, have I to staff infection right <laughs> oh, no. you're bad um but you know what i mean it's interesting to walk that line between trying to be like okay well i'm not gonna abuse this position of power or I'm not going to even set myself up to be some sort of thing that, you know, should be on a pedestal. But sometimes people do that for you. You know, some people have the expectation that you will. I can tell you, since I decided to run for office, there's so much that's great about it and interesting and exciting. And I look forward to it. But the lack of, you know, all of a sudden I'm this I'm this thing. You know what I mean? Separate I, from you. There separate is from thing. you, there's this thing that may or may not be put up on a pedestal by someone at some point to and, be and that may more or less than life. I can do. And I just think that that's to be actually making a decision to go there um, and to have it not be very some, you know, something that I'm very comfortable with. Um, it's interesting because I do think that as you make those choices in your life to be in positions of power, you have to be ready, I think, to be um, humble. And what happens is people want to protect themselves and not be um, honest and not, you know, so then the cover-up need and all that kind of stuff. It's like you want to try to the cover your ass. protect yourself, right? And so it's just interesting. I, I, I feel like my perspective on the world has changed a lot as I've bit, been put in positions of power. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I wish all people who are being put in positions of power even thought about it for a second because most people just were like dun 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 you know here I am at the top of the mountain right um, uh, and then you just take a picture post right. it on Facebook <laughs> exactly everybody knows you were there exactly um, so I don't know it's interesting to me I don't know it's because I've, I've been in different it's funny because I never I'm not somebody who seeks power very often I and mean, there's a couple of instances where I'm a lead right but not because I'm looking for the power it's mostly because I want to get the job done <laughs> Exactly. But that's the thing is I do the same. I'm seeking leadership opportunities because there's things I want to get done and there's things I want to see accomplished. I'm not actually doing it because I have some sort of ego need to do it. Right. Although, you know, I've asked a few of my friends to try to make sure, but, um, (laughs) but other people do, you know, other people do it for the ego, for the power, for the control. And, you know, 
either way, people are going to put you on a pedestal when you're in a leadership position by that more kind of, you know, yeah, well, some people feel on the pedestal, right. the other people will try to tear you down. Exactly. Fun. Right. Um, yeah. So it's not to, I mean, if anybody on Twitter Universe is listening to this, it's not to make excuses for anybody who is in a position of power and abuses it and tries to cover it up. But it is something we also do to people, you know? Oh, yeah, very much. To well, expect people to be something that is more than human. Which you know? is, is a foolish expectation. And. But they shouldn't be able to stay in power. I will have to say that. Like, if you are in a position of power and you have um, egregiously abandoned that responsibility, then you shouldn't be able to be there anymore. You know? And we're not talking about anybody specific. We're not. <clears throat> we're not. I'm not. I'm just saying, like... I can think of specific examples. Right. I'm actually <laughs> saying that, like, if you... You in yourself, like, if you in yourself know, I did this thing and I didn't... I didn't do everything I could have done, then you should step down. That's just me personally saying that's the right thing to do. Yeah, but how self-aware are most of those people? That's the problem. The problem. People aren't <laughs> self-aware as they rise in power. Ah. The higher up in power you get, exactly. the less self-awareness you have. I know. Fun. And that was not meant as anything particular. It's just a statement. We're not talking about anyone directly? I'm not. Are we? No. I'm just, mm. this is what I would have told you a year ago, and I'll tell you it today. It's just that. And you'll probably tell it to me in a year, because right. I won't listen. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but I'm not running for office, so it doesn't matter. Uh. Um, so. Let's see what's coming up this week. Is there anything interesting going on this week? No. The um, Last Chance Stampede and Fair. Oh, that's right. That's this weekend. I went to the Haver County Fair this weekend because I went up to Haver, which is where I graduated high school, for a fundraiser. And it was my first time at a city, county, you know, fair. something fair for a while. How was it? Dirty. Lots What's of dirt. Fair? Yeah. It's, 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 but they had they have these things July. they have these things in Hever called Pronto Puffs, which is basically just a corn dog. And they're delicious. I mean the things that you get to eat when you're at a fair that you would never eat anywhere else. That's, that's the best thing about it. Um, but this week I'll be um, at the Lewis and Clark County Fair. I'm working the Democrats booth on Friday night from seven Wait, to ten. Wait, you're a Democrat? Oh, I this am. show's over. <laughs> I'm working the booth on a Friday night too. It's like, what happens on a Friday night in the like, you know? I don't know, but I'll bring, I'll bring you whiskey and Purell. Right, You'll exactly. Be fine. <laughs> so I'm doing that, and then I'm actually uh, walking in the parade on Saturday. That'll be funny. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So that's what's happening in Helena this week. So I. I don't actually know that anything else is going on in my life. I've got like nine commercials to film nice. and some other stuff to do, but good. Other than that, it's just you know get stuff together and try to have a life. Might hike the mountain on Wednesday. You better you should come with. Five thirty in the, the morning. Heat. Depending on the heat. Five thirty in the morning. No exactly. Heat. No heat. No light anymore. Uh, it's not, no. Do you use like helmets or? No, it, the sun is still close enough to rising at that point okay. that you can see, but. Um, it's going to be, like, it's a week and a half more before we'll have to go to 6 a.m. or bring, you know, headlights. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I will definitely say headlights, do not headlice. <laughs> Different story. I will definitely do that at some point, though. It's fun. So, um... It's, it's miserable, but it's fun afterwards to say that you did it. Yes. I want to take my picture at the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. We, we need one for this Ta-da. podcast, don't you think? Yeah, because the, the hike will be titled This Ends Well. We'll right. get up there, and then a helicopter has to come get us. Yeah. <laughs> So since we're wrapping up, should we explain what this is going to be for people? Or this was really just to kind of get to know us a little bit more and yeah. hear a few of I our think thoughts. We should, yeah, I think we should tell people. Yeah? Go ahead. 
You, that's not fair. You tell them what this is about. Um, so, well, we'll back up a little bit. When I first started Politic Boom, which is one of my other podcasts, um, Kelson was my first guest. She was gracious enough to come on. And, and trust me that it was going to be what I said it was. Uh, and it was, and it was a very good show. Very popular. It's still one of the most downloaded episodes. Um, although last week's, I do, oh, I do have to back up. Oh, yeah, that's not fair. Well, it, it's not fair, but it, it's led me to, I kind of want to change the direction of the show and do a bunch of debates because yeah. I think that would be awesome. So I need to talk to your opponent, Liz, and see if she'll come on and, <laughs> and do it because it could be fun. Okay. Um, anyway. I actually, you know, I think here's just my suggestion. And I haven't listened to that one yet, but clearly that one blew up because everybody's talking about the one, the two. Um, the amazing episode. I think I wouldn't do candidates. I think your interviews with candidates one-on-one are great because they give people a chance to really hear from oh, them. Oh, yeah. Well, I do want to I make think... sure that it's only candidates that have been on the show on their own, so they have a chance to. Okay, but my suggestion is I think one of the things that was beautiful about that is that getting two people to talk about an issue or topics or whatever – that like they don't have some other stake in the game. I mean, the thing is that like, is it so much that the two people would debate each other or is it that it's a really good conversation? Cause these people have less to fear. So they're able to be more, um, open and articulate. You know, I just think that you may want to wait and do politicians after they are not so guarded. <laughs> um, you mean during the session? Well, I don't know. I guess I'm sure whatever you decide to do will be great. My point is just that part of what um, is really fascinating is just having average, not average, that's the wrong word, people who are not candidates on the two opposite issues having a conversation, you know. And like you said, at the very least, if you're going to have candidates, I would still have them do their own individual interview because part of being comfortable with debating is just feeling like you still have had this space where you're going to let people know about you you know, Absolutely. not just in the context of the the race, right. um, which is one of the reasons that I agreed to do this podcast is just because I had such a great time the first time. Right. And even at the round table, which, by the way, I was the only woman there. You were the, well, Eddie and I were there. We <laughs> I know, <laughs> but I just want to say, like, I walk in and I was like, oh, okay, well, like, here I am. So it was interesting. And I'm fine with that. I've certainly had that be the case many times in my life, but it was just funny to... It's rare that I walk into a room where I'm like, oh, okay. Well, it was this interesting because I think you were the only, you, obviously you were the only woman there, but right. I think that Mike was the only true Republican there. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, uh, the two of you were the only candidates in the room right. because Eddie and I, and you know, obviously Eddie lost, I'm not running, and uh, Derek's already in position, he's not running either. So um, so it was, a, it was an interesting was mix. Good. And, yeah. you know, for the people that actually have taken the time and listened to that show, they've really enjoyed it. It was a good show. Good. good. Um, it did not have the fireworks of last week. Last week definitely was, um, one, it was, it was just really funny that I got them to both agree to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I love Don. I think he's fantastic. And I think Dustin has potential to be a decent reporter. <laughs> um, I don't think he's there yet. I, and that's right. my honest opinion. But I think he could definitely get there because he's tenacious and he wants to know the answers. He doesn't always know what he's looking for. Right. Uh, but... Um, so, so back to what this is about. It was very interesting. Yeah. So back to what the, this is about. So anyway, you came on the podcast and we had a great time and we kind of, you know, it was the reason that everybody else has come on the podcast because a bunch of people that first week heard it and they were like, oh no, this will be great. It'll be fun. And, and it has been, it's been amazing. I've, I, everything that I've done on politics, boom, has been great. Um, 
from my perspective, I don't know that anybody else thinks that, but from <laughs> my perspective, I think it's been great. And then um, I asked you a couple months ago if you wanted mm-hmm. to do a podcast where we could just talk about issues, because what I was running into, and actually I ran into it um, in Jesse Laslovich's episode, was mm-hmm. I couldn't talk about things. Right. And I was starting to get really frustrated that I wasn't talking about things. I was like, ah! Right. And, uh, well, in the one, you're the interviewer. Right. And, and now to, you're and, just going to say and, stuff. And I maintain neutrality and, and you know, I just, I don't want to ask them questions. I want to find out about why they're in politics. It's not necessarily about attacking them for the issues at all. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and even in this podcast, I don't want to attack them for the issues. But there's definitely some issues I want to talk about because I don't understand why, you know, there's so many things that are going right in the world and there's so many things that are going wrong. And the ones that are going wrong, you just look at and go, you know, if you people would take a deep breath and step back, right. you could get the answers. They're not that difficult because anybody who's at arm's length can see them. Well, that's what we'll be. We'll be at arm's length. Arm's length. And this uh, will end well. And, and the arm will actually be extended <laughs> by a drink on my part. <laughs> and this know. one we just kind of chatted, which sometimes we will based on our mood. But sometimes we may also bring a recent news article or something that's happening in the news and talk about it or something that's on our mind or coming up. But basically it'll just be you and me talking yeah, about you and me. And, what and we I think. guess sometimes we'll bring in somebody to to round it out. Yeah. Just for fun. Exactly. Yeah. We'll, we'll bring in somebody on the Republican side and argue with them. Right. I'll bring mom. And we need to come up with a few little catchy things like, uh, we still need the air quotes. Sounds. Yeah, but we didn't need them today. Nobody made air quotes because everything we discussed was fact. <laughs> um, so it'll evolve as we go. Yeah. So thank you for joining us. If you'd like to follow Kelson online, you can follow her Twitter at, which one do you want to come? It's a, uh, I think it's K young for HD 80. Okay. Um, everything's on my website, which is kelsonyoung.com. That's spelled K-E-L-S-E-N, young.com. Young, J-U-N-G. No, um, it's Y-O-U-N-G. <laughs> yeah. um, and if you would like to follow me on Twitter, I am Kev Ham on Twitter. And you will be able to find this podcast at uh, thisinswell.com. And available on iTunes. And it'll be in iTunes. And um, check out the other podcasts. I have Martinis in the Morning with Ed Zimple. And myself. Um, and you're going to have to come on that, but we actually will be making drinks when you come on. Right. It'll be after the election. <laughs> and um, Politic Tick, tick boom. boom, which is uh, quite fun. In fact, this next guest, which will be Wednesday of this week, so depending on when this goes up, either today or tomorrow, it may be tomorrow, um, is uh, Sandy Welch, who's running for state superintendent. She's a Republican, so... Um, well, good on you for interviewing all these great candidates. <laughs> That's lovely. Could you put your claws away? <laughs> good luck. Uh, um, so, yeah, Sandy Wilson. Then next week is Linda McCullough, Secretary oh, wow. of State candidate. So, great. You know, we try to keep it very simple and easy and middle of the road. Um, yeah. So that's about it. All right. Signing off. Thanks, everyone. Bye.